Hey guys, in this podcast, I chat with Tanhony, author of SP5000, Bob the Clown, and many other awesome SP articles. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you're following us, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us a review. Um, but overall, if you just enjoyed the podcast, make sure you just spread the word. The more you guys help me, means the more time I can put into the podcast. Thanks, guys. How's it going, Tanhony? Nice to have you on the podcast. Hi, how's it going? Yes, yeah, good to be here. Um, so as podcast tradition, uh, we always ask for a first question. How did you get into SCP? Right, so uh, I, I, for a long time, I actually pretty much forgot how I got into it because it was nine years ago, but wow. I've recently <laughs> went back into the records. Uh, so I believe it was um, on the Something Awful forums. I was actually I, I got gifted a membership there at some point, I think, and I, I posted like twice, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but there was an SCP thread on there, and I thought it just looked cool, so I came in and joined. So what's that? I've actually never heard of that before. Something Awful forums. Uh, something Awful forums. Um, I think it's it it, it sort of um, a cesspit now, but um, and it probably was back then as well. But it, it was sort of like a video game forum, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, I, I got gifted a membership to it. You have to, you have to like pay to be in it, but I, I never paid. So, huh? So was it like horror stuff or like monster related like video games? Um, I think it was just for general sort of gaming discussion and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So it just happened to be yeah. that that person also got SCP. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like just a general thread as well, just for sort of general discussions. One posted it in there, and this is this is pre the first containment breach, right? Because I forget exactly when that came out. This was pre containment breach, though. Yeah. Wow. I, I think you. Are... I remember when the Stirs game came out. So I think I was around for even that. Yeah, I think you're the oldest like person I've had on the podcast, like in the sense of how long they've been in the SB uh, community. Don't quote me on that, but it, it, I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah. Um, it is weird to be considered one of like the old members at this point because I remember coming in and it was like Gears was already like not around anymore and that was like considered old back then. Well, it's only ten years old, right? Or is it eleven now? I, I can't keep up. I'm not sure. I, I know I did in twenty eleven. Well, that's well, at least when I posted um, my first SCP was in twenty eleven. Yeah, and um, but I think it was around for a couple of years before that, definitely. I mean, the fact that you were posting in the first series shows how early for people who don't know. Um, mm. you were coming in. Uh, speaking of pieces that you've written, what is your like personal favorite piece that you've written for the SB Wiki? My pers- my personal favorite. It does sort of change. I've got a few that I like for different reasons, but the one that like I like coming back to is one that I don't think actually got that much attention, uh, which was SCP-4972. Oh, yes. Uh, and that's called... Mm. I actually haven't read that, so if you want to just give a quick rundown of what that one is. Uh, so it, it's called Something Is Wrong, and it was just me trying to, like... I, 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 I sort of go through periods, I think, on the wiki where I, like, try out something new, and I, like, had a really weird surreal phase, and that's where that got started. So it's hard to, like, give a synopsis of it, but basically it's this containment unit that suddenly got found that no one has any memory of, and there's just been instructions left that you can't look into it, you can't interact with it anyway, and the whole article's then just trying to find out what's going on in there, and reality is slowly getting messed up the more they investigate it. And that's so that's four nine two, not five nine two, right? Uh, four nine seven two. Oh, yeah. four nine seven two. Oh, okay, sorry. 
That's a more recent one. Yeah, so it's it's fairly recent actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I've read I've read all. I think I've read the first three thousand, um, and then all the newer stuff. It's kind of been pick and choose. I'm also horrendous with numbers. So a lot of times I think I've never heard of something, mm. and then they start explaining it, and I'm like, oh wait, I have read that. Um, yeah, I made a big mistake for my author page because I was too lazy to update it manually. So I just got a big graph of just numbers. So I don't even know which one I'm clicking on. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking through that uh, earlier. Actually, okay, I did want to ask this. Uh, why are you a cook? I, I, well, <laughs> there's a story behind that. Because originally I tried to make my own super cool author avatar. But he was really lame. And I gave him a really stupid name and everyone made fun of me. So I turned him into a cook. <laughs> wow. Do you... I want to I want to ask you a question. Yeah. By the way, yeah, go for it. Just yeah. just to validate myself, T A R N Tarn. That is a real first name, isn't it? T R A M. T A R T R A R N like Tarn. Tarn. I've never heard that before. I swear it's a real name. Everyone made fun <laughs> of me for calling my guy Tarn. Like an English name? Like maybe it's another language? Yeah. Tarn. Yeah, I think I think it's Tarn, like with an N. No, I've never heard of that. I, I, it's not like a common name, but I know some people are named of it, but uh, I'm, I never heard the end of it until I changed it. Uh, maybe maybe it's an English thing. I've never heard it in America, at least, that name. No, I never actually met anyone named Tarn, but I had this notion that it was a name. <laughs> Should have Googled it. I'm sure it exists. Somewhere. Hmm, I think the guy who made Dwarf Fortress is named Tarn. So maybe that's where I got it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I could maybe see it being like a Germanic or like Norwegian name for some reason. Yeah, I think if it, if it exists, I think it's that. I'll, uh, I'll have to ask my Norwegian friend one day. Ask him if he knows a Tarn. Uh, so that's that's literally the reason is they thought your name was dumb. Uh, yeah, I just thought <laughs> I had to make another way to sort of sound like Tarnany. So it's Tim Heine. Wow. Well, hey, it stuck. So... I'm sure you got this question a million times because everyone asks you about SP5000, and I don't. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're sick of it yet, but um, just kind of like, what are some of the big inspirations for uh, that article? What made you want to write it? You know, the spiel. Right. So, for a lot of contests, I I like usually have an idea beforehand that I sort of like adapt to the theme of the contest. Yeah. Uh, there was I I just came up with five thousand like after <laughs> I found out the contest was mystery one and I spent like a week trying to think of an idea for it and all my mysteries are really lame and so I was like uh, and then a few ideas came together because I've been wanting to do like a big SCP like a big event kind of thing because I I'd never done one of those really mm. something like um like uh, site thirteen or something like that yeah yeah um and I also wanted to like. Because I've been on the uh, wiki for like nine years at that point, so I was feeling a bit sort of sentimental. So I wanted to make a big sort of celebration-y piece as well. And then I thought it'd be cool if the SCP Foundation turned evil and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bunch of ideas all coming together there. Was uh, was it kind of like your Avengers essentially, where it's like basically yeah? Because that's that's how a lot of people I've seen kind of explain it as it's like. It's basically like the uh, the big Avengers moment for the SP universe, where you get like all these different SCPs interacting with each other and stuff. Yeah, I wanted to sort of bring a lot of stuff together for it. I tried not to use too much of my own stuff because I didn't want it to seem yeah, like yeah. a celebration of me. So I tried to use a lot of like other popular articles and some not necessarily like the biggest ones, but I wanted to, I want because in some cases where you like if it was like a 
conveyor line of here comes 173, here comes Shy Guy, here comes 682, one after another. Like, they're all in there, because that's what, so I can't really say that they're not. But I want to, like, sort of also have less prominent ones popping up as well, though, just make it feel like it's an actual, like, world, this, the SCP there. Yeah, no, I, I really it's like how, like, like there yeah. was actually cross-interactions between those SCPs, too. Mm. They weren't completely, like, isolated. Well, some were, but some weren't as isolated, because you had other SCPs, like, bringing other SCPs from the from the dead. Again, I'm really bad with numbers, so I can't pull off uh, the specifics. Yeah. But uh, As we went further in the article, I tried to, like, make the cross-testing more ridiculous, basically. Um, and that... Until we got, like, the... Sh- mm. Well, I was, I was going to say that one I feel like would be, in my opinion, one of the funnest uh, or most fun articles to turn into like an actual film because there's just so much. Mm. Um, there's so many environments. There's so many locations you can work with. I feel like like visually there's so much um, to work with. I mean, it would be really, really hard to do, but who knows? Yeah, I'm really happy with how 5 out turned out because I feel like I could write other stuff in it and it would fit because we only saw this like single perspective of the, of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any like I'm sure you have um, like specific things that you like tossed out like old things that you were originally going to put into SP5000 or was it a pretty streamlined easy thing to write overall I think I got pretty much everything I wanted in there um, originally uh, the Ganzir thing that was going to be like even less prominent because mm. I really like the idea I really like stuff in fiction where there's like this whole thing going on elsewhere that you hear about in, like, footnotes or something. Mm, yeah, yeah. So originally it was just going to be, like, in a footnote. But I, I, as it came out, it became a little bit more prominent. But he never goes there or anything like that still. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm also... Actually, you know what? I'm not going to explain 5,000. It's so popular. We can <laughs> we can save time for explaining your lesser known ones. Uh, you guys know <laughs> what he's talking about then. You know, we just talked about your most famous uh, article. Or one of your most famous. Mm. What do you think is your most, like, underrated hidden article like one of your less popular articles my most underrated so this is an issue because there's some that are underrated and they probably should be (laughs) they're not they're not great some of them um one that i really liked writing that didn't get much attention um it's not really one, but it was a group of interests I tried to like get going a little bit ago. That was uh, called Westhead Media, mm-hmm. and they were sort of like anomalous, like monster Hollywood. Mm. But it, it, uh, and people liked a lot of people liked the articles on it, but it just never caught on. No one ever else ever wanted to write anything with them. Bit of a shame. So, like, do you want to pitch just like one of the one of the story ideas? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get one up here. I say that. I'm clicking on a random number on my page, just assuming it's going to be on. So one I had was like this, um, I think a few, well, a few people did write Westhead Media ones, but basically one of them was, um, this field of flowers in Los Angeles that sort of reshaped into different faces and words, like calling for help and things like that. Mm. And it turns out through, um, all these interviews and stuff that what's going on is like famous actors and, well, upcoming actors and things like that are having their minds swapped with like the spirits of the flowers and now these flower spirits are walking around as the actors for happy because they're finally not trapped inside flowers <laughs> while the actors are stuck inside this field of flowers calling for help oh, i like that did like the huge flower blooms kind of inspire that idea i'm not i don't know what that is there um i think this, this was a couple of years ago so oh uh, yeah so basically mm. uh i think it's every year in california and la 
the entire mountains have these massive like flower blooms all over the mountains. Oh. So it's literally like fields and fields of flowers. Um, so that's like immediately what I thought of when you're explaining the story. Um, I did know that, but that fits pretty well. Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> Happy coincidence. Because um, there was actually, I think it was last year. There, well, obviously not this year. There was like an issue with uh, too many like Instagrammers and like wannabe like internet influencers going to the fields to take like photo shoots, and they were like destroying all the flowers and stuff like that. Um, so who knows? Maybe you could put that as a footnote that they're killing actors now. Um, <laughs> that's cool now i'll definitely have to check that one out uh, a bit more because i i personally grew up uh i was always really into like monsters and and like uh urban legends and things like that uh yeah like i mean especially because i grew up in uh, new york where you have like the whole pizza rat actually pizza rat is newer sorry but we had um you know the alligators living in the sewers and all that stuff growing up that kind of always sparked my interest of like the idea of seemingly normal things kind of hiding behind yeah. the facade of normalcy in reality so i'm actually curious if like that did have cryptids or, or anything like that kind of inspired certain writings before mm, i'm not a lot of stuff i write usually isn't sort of cryptid like because it's usually not a, like a living thing most of the time it's usually like a place or an object mm. or sometimes an event or something because I'm not very good at physical description. <laughs> oh, really? So that's like the, the yeah. reason. That's interesting. I will say, so side note, um, one of the writers I like reading a lot mm. is um, Wildbo. So he does like, he, he's known for a superhero. Oh. Do you know Wildbo? Have you read Worm, I'm assuming? That's the most famous one. Yeah, yeah, I've read Worm. I got like partway through the this, the sequel to that ward, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I sort of got um, distracted from it, so I'm, I'm waiting to go back to it still. I actually, I almost finished Ward. I'm like literally at like the last chapter now because I, I was picking that on and off. Oh, you're the first person I've oh, known. Is so good on this podcast that has actually like no knows what Worm is and has read it. Um, but I like his stuff a lot because it is sometimes it's very visual but then i found especially later into worm and even mm. ward has this problem where he has he has these really in-depth really abstract fights and it just right yeah yeah no. I, it completely i completely get lost because it's just like i feel like he really struggles with like explaining things very visually without it being like george r, r. martin where it's just pages and pages of just like details and details and details um i know what you mean i think like it's something like if there's a character that makes a force field you won't say like they stuck out their hands and the uh, rippled. You'll see they made a force field over there. Mm -hmm. But I, I won't. So it sort of goes. I won't explain specific scenes because mm. it is very spoiler specifically for Ward. Um, but mm. what I, I guess I can say minor spoiler uh, if you guys want to read Worm or Ward, which I do recommend. Although he is rewriting Worm, so a lot of these issues I'm talking about now hopefully don't exist. But yeah, he's going for the editing on that. The uh, one thing I like is like the he he kind of goes into what causes the powers, um, and whenever he yeah, goes into that so stuff, good. it's very cool. And I think Worm does it better, but he goes more into depth and in Ward, and that's where it gets a bit like, I just he starts losing me there with like, the the abstractiveness. It almost it's almost like it's so abstract it becomes boring, um, mm. but and like for me personally, I'm very into like abstract weird stuff. So that's where it's always like, man, I wish he just like, tried to explain this uh visually i just feel like it's a very common struggle that direct um authors who are working with stuff that is not of this world uh have to face a lot 
Yeah, yeah. But that actually reminds me, you've written so many SP articles, but have you written anything outside of the SP universe? Uh, I am actually writing a web serial. Speaking of worm, I'm writing a web serial at the moment as well. Uh, that sort of uh, just ends in sort of the third arc or sit part of the series there, uh, and that's called uh, Ethereal Space on Royal Road at the moment. Oh, nice. And how do you spell that? I just wanna so people. It's a A E. It's a bit strange. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I invented this word for it, but it's A E T. H E R A L. Oh wow. And then space. <laughs> kind of looks like ethereal, almost. Yeah, it, 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 it's sort of a rewrite of a previous one I tried doing that was called ethereal, so I just wanted to change it a little bit. So what's like what's like a quick pitch on like what that's about? I'm curious. It's kind of like a, a science fantasy sort of thing. It's about this um, gr- like crew of basically criminals who go through space, uh, sort of moving between all these different powers and sort of the small players, but they sort of keep getting involved in these bigger things. And I, I, basically, each arc is a different story in this world. As you land on a planet, some stuff happens. People's schemes and plots start piling on top of each other until the whole thing ends in some kind of clusterfuck. Oh, that's fun. Is that kind of like, kind of like I don't know if you watch Mandalorian, but like kind of that similar vibe. Oh yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I need to catch up on Mandalorian. I'm still just after. Oh, no, I can't spoil Mandalorian in this. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I'm like two episodes behind, so I'm gonna want to catch up on that pretty soon. Yeah, so that, not I want to get back to your web show, but I will say, Mandalorian hands down has been my favorite thing Star Wars has ever done, just period, like in the universe, movies wise, visually. Yeah, because um, I feel like I've always wanted that. Like, I, I'm not like for for example the prequels. I'm not a fan of them. Sorry guys, I know like, I'm. It's. Supposedly, I kind of like the prequels in concept, but yeah, a lot of the execution exactly. And like, I, I like the world of the prequels, I think. Like, when I hear the movies explained, I like them. <laughs> when I actually watch them, I'm like, uh, um, so why'd you, why'd you do that? <laughs> like, you know, some of the dialogue is a bit dicey. Um, Oof. the Shakespearean. <laughs> But I, I've like I feel like with Star Wars, it really shines when you go into like the more like Western, like outlaw territory mm. where it's kind of like you know like all the Outer Rim stuff, like all the original films mostly take place in the Outer Rim, and it's like that sense of lawlessness. And um, I think it is considered partially cyberpunk too. Like I really like that gritty feeling, and the prequels are super yeah. clean and crisp. And I like to me it just lost a lot of its appeal um, through that. So that's that's why I really like Mandalorian because it's like. It's as outer rim as it gets, and it's as lawless as it gets, since you're literally following a bounty hunter. Um, yeah, it's very small picture, as the prequels a big picture. Yeah, so so that tying back to your web serial is your web serial kind of like that, where it's just kind of like this very gritty. Uh, I don't like the word gritty; it's so like overused. Uh, but just kind of like this very dirty, unclean sci-fi, or because I know there's sorry, science fantasy. I know it's a little different. Uh, yeah, I would say so partially there. I don't know whether to say unclean. It's it's very sort of mundane, a lot of it. Oh, okay. So it's just like day-to-day kind of slice of life in a way? Yeah, it's kind of... It's like a mundane world, and then this is the group of idiots sort of barrel through and things start getting complicated. Oh, that's fine. Is it kind of like a, in a sense, like a butterfly effect where they're, they're not even realizing... Yeah, there's def- definitely... A, it's definitely most of it starts off as a butterfly effect, yeah. And people... 
wanting to take advantage of what's going on, things like that, and everyone's plans are slowly piling on top of each other. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I'm curious, like, what are what are some of the fantasy elements in it? Uh, so, mm, so I say fantasy because I, if I say science fiction, it will be exposed that I am not very good at science. Oh. So, but but there is like there are like. I don't want to spoil, but it's like there are powers, sort of like in Worm, mm, where uh, okay. people there's sort of a power source that people can use in various ways. That's not is very much not scientific. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, Star Wars is not even close to scientific either. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like the Force, but it, I've tried to sort of separate from the Force. It's not as spiritual. Okay, really, it's. If, hmm. uh, I will check it out. I will definitely check it out because I'm almost done with Ward. Um, and I kind of fell off the boat with Ward because uh, it was really dragging. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got stuck near the near the end of the first arc on that. I think. Yeah, Ward was kind of weird. Where it was very like, I feel like Worm was a lot more exciting. Ward's much more like a slow burner. Where there's periods mm. of arcs that are really cool, but I mean, I like about it. So this isn't really spoiler for Ward. It's basically like her- superheroes and therapy. Um, and I like that concept a lot. Like, I'm very into psychology and things like that. So I thought it was cool that, like, it literally s- surrounds... Uh, I think you should have read this by now in the first arc, where it's basically about, like, a youth group therapy uh, yeah. session um, of these, like, young superheroes who, like, went through this tragedy. Yeah, that was really good. So, but, yeah, because of that, it's, like, a very low-stakes story, and it can definitely be kind of, like, very... It's very... Mundane. Yeah, sorry. A bit of a whiplash from Worm, though, yeah, because... Oh, yeah. Worm is very big stakes. <laughs> Worm just like hits the ground running, <laughs> so it's it's definitely a lot more like um, approachable for the general audience. Um, I get that's why I understand why that's his most famous, uh, uh, and it's also my my most um, my favorite superhero villains are also in Worm, the Slaughterhouse Nine. Um, oh yeah, like those are <laughs> probably the most disturbing and just like actually horrifying villains I've seen with like superhero stuff. There are some good worm characters, I have to say, yeah. Uh, but I can't say anymore because I feel like we're getting... Anything I, we talk about now will be spoilers. Um, but... Read one. <laughs> I, okay, so I will say if you want another web serial to read, my personal favorite for Wild Bow is Twig. Are you familiar with Biopunk? Uh, yeah, I actually got a little bit into Twig there. Again, it's another one that I got a sort of... Uh delayed on because of life but i do intend to go back to it i that's personally my favorite i mean i really like um so if people don't know what biopunk is it's kind of like uh well so i guess there's different types of punk so there's steampunk there's cyberpunk obviously mm. there's diesel punk that's a cool one um but biopunk is essentially it's like i guess it's a type of sci-fi is where the punk comes in where it's based on like biological manipulations um so it's a lot mm. of like biotechnology instead of like cybernetics or robots or things like that um i personally really like like medical history and stuff like that and it's also takes place in the in the 1920s and 30s in an alternate universe in the u.s um so it's Mm. got a piece of history it's got a piece of uh biopunk and then also it's got world war one stuff but alternate reality or a parallel universe of world war one if biopunk uh, technology existed um so that's why i like i really love the world and that kind of what drew me in um yeah i'm the same when there's a sort of an intriguing world i sometimes i'm sort of going through the story to find out more about the world sometimes oh yeah mm-hmm. 
I, I think that's what I personally like a lot of, about it is um, I know it's not a perfect story. Some people have, have have grievances with it. But for me, I really like how it was kind of like a cookie crumb trail of like piecing together um, what exactly. OK, so the America thing kind of is a spoiler. Uh, but <laughs> besides that, uh, <laughs> the uh, cookie crumbs uh, aspect kind of kind of kept pulling me back when it started to dip pacing wise a little bit for me. Yeah, I get exactly what you mean. It's, it, it's like it, it's satisfying to be able to like work out what's going on, like like I said, puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like? I'm curious because you're the only other person I know actually who's ever read any of Twig. Uh, what are some things you don't like about it, or that you're kind of like eh about? I, I think maybe the protagonists are a little too young because mm. they don't talk like their age. But I, I understand that's because of story reasons. But it seems like still a little too young because i think were they like 10 or 11 when the story starts yeah so uh yeah it's a very long story so i'm like trying to i haven't read this in years because eventually they do actually age a decent amount through the story um so i think that thankfully does get a bit better when they get a bit older but yeah that's actually interesting i i remember i hated the like orphanage uh scenes and stuff like that i was like ugh, it was very dry like interactions i feel like mm. um but anyway for people who don't have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> moving on we're <laughs> um, <laughs> dancing around actually discussing it because we don't want to spoil i know it's 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 pretty rough um well actually you yeah, know before we move on the web serial is there anything else you want to talk about with your web serial in general uh, nothing I can really think of. Um, I do also do on the YouTube channel where I do discover an SCP. I also do readings of the uh, chapters as I sort of release them. Um, so you can also listen to it if you, reading isn't your thing. Oh, that's cool. I actually didn't know that. Um, yeah, they don't get many views, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will. I actually prefer reading, so I won't check that out. Sorry. But you guys should, no <laughs> if you like, because I know some people really like the audiobook style. I personally like reading uh, more. Uh, but speaking of that, you have your own podcast slash YouTube channel called Discovering SCP. Um, what's that about for like people who don't know? Yeah, so basically what Discovering SCP is, is um, basically I have a friend, uh, Darnell, who pre- before we did this podcast knew very little about SCP. I, he All he'd read was... I think Dragon Snails and a few of my SCPs that I'd showed him. Hmm. Uh, so basically the podcast is me just going through the SCP universe from Series 1, I think we're in Series 4 now, and him him just giving his reactions, impressions as we read along there. That's sort of like getting a first-time reaction to SCP. And I, I really like <laughs> first-time reactions to stuff, so I enjoy making that with him. He knows a lot more about it now, so the, it's, it's basically just come us reading through SCPs for the first time, because he knows a lot about the universe at this point. Yeah, I actually really like how, because there are like so many SP reading channels out there, but you, I like the little twist you have where it's, you have someone, at least in the beginning, who like knows nothing and they have a fresh take to everything. Yeah. So, I mean, so are there any like, I guess, you know, you're going to tell people, watch it yourself, but are there any specific moments that kind of come to mind of like his reaction and to certain things that you found like funny or entertaining? We did, a, I believe, a three-part um, reading of what happened to Site 13 there that we all enjoyed quite a bit, even though it was, it was a long reading. And we got, I think we actually got uh, DJ Cactus, who wrote it in for the last part of that. So we've had him on once or twice. Oh, cool. Um, 
so yeah, just it mo I, I would mostly say um, definitely the big ones. Usually when we read one article in an episode, we usually try and get two or three. But when it's just one, that's usually one that we've really enjoyed and wanted to discuss for a while. And it's usually pretty big episodes as well. Hmm. But I would say those are my favorite ones to record. You heard it, folks. Check it out. I'll have a link in the description. Uh, I'm actually also curious. Have you... Hmm. Have you done like an author's commentary on articles that are yours that you read on the channel? I do try mostly to avoid my own articles because I don't want it to become Tony Shills himself the podcast. <laughs> but we did do an ep- I, I say that, but we did do an episode of Only My Stuff. Uh, I can't remember when exactly that was. It was pretty early on, I think. Because I feel like that would actually be kind of cool to hear like the behind the scenes, like what was going through your head while writing certain recipes mm. that you wrote uh, personally. So. Yeah, there was definitely some of that. Check it out, because I won't have all the hours of time to ask about every recipe written. There you go. I'm really selling this. <laughs> um, no worries, no worries. <laughs> so actually, yeah, I'm curious, like, do you have, the way you structured it, do you have specific SCPs that you think are, like, more beginner-friendly? Uh, yeah, so we started off with, the first thing we read wasn't actually SCP, it was the introduction to the wiki and mm. i usually try and in episodes like put things together to a theme so like i introduced the church of the broken god with a couple of the articles mm. then the okay. Sarkit cults or the factory or dado i think we had in a recent oh, one. Oh, i love dado yeah uh, so yeah it's just sort of trying to introduce things things by, by bit and just sort of relate usually i try and relate it back to something else we've already read oh that's, so like that's GOC was yeah. yeah so just trying like I don't want to like stuff it all on straight away, so we slowly sort of build up the universe with the ones I sort of pick. Hmm. And then, so you basically did like organizations first, and then you moved towards like the more popular ones or articles. Uh, we did we did do some of the more popular ones first, just like shy guy things like that, because those are some of the I think those give off like the best impression for what you want to expect an SCP to be like, because hmm. then. The, then the wiki comes out with the ones that are meant to sort of subvert that or play around with that sort of impression. Okay, that, that's an interesting perspective. I'm usually the opposite. So it's like where... getting the baseline down before. Yeah, no, so you can see like how people, because I know there's recipes out there where they kind of twist the uh, algorithm. I mean, yours does that, um, what's it called, uh, 5683. Like that was poking fun at, obviously, 682, mm. Killable Lizard. That's the spider one. Um, uh, yeah. People don't, yeah. But, uh, I'm usually the opposite, ironically, with my friends, where I'm like, oh, don't don't read Peanut, don't read Shy <laughs> Guy. There's more interesting ones. Because in my personal experience, um, those ones didn't really pull me into the uh, into the wiki. Mm. It was really the more uh, like world world minded uh, stuff that had like more to dig yeah. into, like Scarlet King, you know, like things like that. Um, we still haven't done the Scarlet King, so we need to uh, get that done on the podcast sometime. I think. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a that's a pretty hefty one, especially if you like like I watched exploring series stuff on it, where he kind oh, of he's really so good. he like created a whole narrative through the whole thing that I thought was really cool. I haven't read that one so long that I don't have much to say about it. That's my issue is like I've read a lot of these years ago and yeah, kind of just slipped my mind, and it's so much to reread. So I tend to just only reread things when I'm like working on videos for specific ones now. Hmm. Um, I mean, do you even remember all the things you've written off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head, no. I wrote too much. 
Like, do you, do you actually know the exact number? Because I know it keeps changing of how many articles you've actually written. Um, I think it's in the early 50s. Probably, actually, I, actually, I can ask the bot here, I believe, and it will tell me. And I think it might, it might actually be in the hundreds there, so I'm probably wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty high up in terms of num number of articles written. I think you were third, last time I checked. Yeah, so I've got actually 132 pages now, so I was very wrong with what I wow. said. Wow, that's crazy. Man. Oh, average um, rating of 173, that's the SCP number. <laughs> actually, so I'm, I'm actually curious, for people who don't know how this works, uh, how do articles get voted on? Like, who can vote on them, who can't? Like, what's the whole, like, kind of process? So like, basically, anyone can post an article as long as they have a uh, account of course and anyone who has an account can vote on an article either upvote downvote or just leave it alone if you don't really have an opinion mm -hmm. so this is a the only really requirement is that you have an account on the wiki you know i'm subscribe i'm surprised how few votes even the most popular ones have then if that's really all it takes mm. a lot of people i think just read things without really engaging with it in that way sometimes though because people are busy i guess or they just don't have that big of an opinion on it I, well, I will say, me personally, I wasn't even aware of that feature until like two years in. <laughs> so I think that might, <laughs> that might also be a factor. Uh, uh, when you see the number, that it might also be like an equal number of downvotes, though. You never know. <laughs> that's just that's like, true. Cool. That's fair, actually. Yeah, that's actually really fair. Um, I've, I've personally never written anything, so I've only seen it um, from the viewer side. I've never really seen kind of like the behind the scenes, so to speak, of that process. Mm. Because um, I've heard it's pretty terrifying releasing articles, especially when you're newer. I mean, do you remember your experience? I remember people were a lot less nice back then as well about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the, the first few SCPs I made, they were, um, I won't miss word, they were up, utter shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just sort of kept at it, and eventually I got one that, <laughs> that went pretty well. Do you know how long that like took for you to like get one to stick? I think we took about a week or so. Oh wow, that's actually quite fast. Yeah, so I, I, I was I was a teenager then, so I had too, too much energy. So like I just lived life at like turbo speed. If you look at my author page, you can see the the dates where my first articles were made. First one that was successful, eighteenth of August. Then twentieth, twenty first, twenty second, twenty second again, twenty fourth, twenty fourth again, twenty fifth. So I, I like oh, and then twenty fifth one was nine nine three there. So at the end of my first week is when I wrote that one, I guess. Wow. Wow, you were really on a roll then. Talk about a streak. Yeah. I've always been shocked about how fast, um, I guess you are one of those authors, how some of these authors, how quickly they, they put up uh, articles. I, when I am writing, I write quick though, yeah, but <laughs> there are huge breaks sometimes in between like these rapid bursts. Do you have like a backlog of ideas and then you just kind of pull from that or is it really just spontaneous? Sometimes I do. I remember I had one that was like half finished on my sandbox for like a year before I came back and finished it. But usually it's something I come up with like a couple of days before I start writing again that makes me want to write it. So I need mm. something to like make me want to go back to it for a bit. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I tend to do the bounce around of uh, style too. I like to sleep on things for a bit because sometimes I think I have a great idea. I sleep on it and I'm like, this is shit. This is literally trash. Um, gives me a fresh perspective mm. uh, so we're kind of talking about how you got into the wiki 
but for new writers or people who've been trying and they just can't get an article to stay on on the site uh what are kind of some tips you have for those people so i did actually make a video on um how to write an scp on the channel so check that out too but i'm going over it now in the interview (laughs) i would say the most important thing is the narrative though because a lot of people i feel like attempting to make it just this cool sort of magic item they found or a cool monster but you have to give like the reader a reason to be interested in it. Like Shy Guy, I think, is probably the best at this because it gives you this cool monster with a cool gimmick and then it sort of shows off the monster what it does and it presents that narrative of that big log where it goes after the guy who, who took the photo of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not just... It, I really probably wouldn't like Shy Guy without that sort of escape log and everything because that's what sort of makes it for me and that's when they released the film of it because it's all based on that log yeah yeah so really like how it interacts with the world and exactly the, the mm. story that unfolds yeah i mean that's personally i prefer um i i am guilty i tend to skip the containment part of the of the articles <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to apologize to me because i don't like writing them either. <laughs> i like I, for me sometimes i jump straight to the logs i'm not gonna lie and then I'll, I'll go back and read the description uh, afterwards. Uh, I should read your tales and more tales in general because, ironically, I, I'm much more of like a narrative kind of person. I prefer, uh, like even with TV, I hate sitcoms. I hate um, things that are like they don't progress or have a plot. Um, yeah. And so I've only read The Old Man and, like, and the Halloween um, tales, and that's it. Um, it's just a bit overwhelming, I find, with the tales, where I'm just like, I guess I, I am a little picky in the sense that I don't like reading bad stuff, so I'd rather just mm. wait and have someone recommend stuff to me. Uh, a lot of people say that, yeah, I think Cactus said at this point that he just waits for his friends to recommend stuff to him. It's, I, I completely relate to that feeling. Um, how much do you actually read yourself, though? I'm curious, like, at least with tales or things like that. I very rarely read tales. <laughs> Oh, really? um, yeah. Yeah. So if someone specifically recommends it to me, I may get to it like a week later. But <laughs> yeah, most of the stuff that comes on the wiki, I usually don't know about <laughs> until, for whatever reason, someone posts a link to it somewhere. I am. All right, that makes me feel so much better because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I'm like. I talk to Sumerian or things like that, or even Vulgan sometimes, and they're just like they're so on the dot with like they know what's going on all the time with the wiki, and I'm just like, oh, I, I hear I'll find out about it like months later. Um, yeah, I have bursts where sometimes I am like that, but just like writing, I sort of drift back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like you you need uh, to just kind of screw off and forget about the wiki every now and then for a while? I would say so. That yeah. Um, otherwise, I, I I would run out of ideas very quickly. <laughs> well, okay, so this is this is one reason I've never written an article, is it feels like you know there's uh, almost or basically six thousand articles now because um, I don't five thousand is done right that whole series. Uh, five thousand sure. the five thousands I think are still ongoing. Okay, so, uh, but so, they they are filling up alarmingly fast. So technically less than 6,000 right now, but I'm kind of at the point where I know when you submit articles, there are people out there who really do do their homework and know most of the articles and memorize all of them. And Mm. I know it is pretty important that it has to be a relatively original idea 
Um, and I feel like that's the part that intimidates me the most is like thinking you have this great idea, spending hours or days working on it, and then you post it, and someone's like, yeah, this has been done like two different times, so the article's Yeah, that's go. happened to me. Like, is it not as common as I think, or is it pretty, like, happens a decent amount of times? I, I think I would say the important part of it is not necessarily having an original idea, it's having an original take on that idea. So you can do the same thing as someone else has done as long as you go somewhere else with it. Hmm. Okay, that's a better way to think about it, actually. Just take into a different direction. Yeah, because at 6,000, you're going to do the same thing as someone else has done. It's inevitable. Yeah, exactly. I was like, how are these all original ideas? Like, they just kind of blew my mind. Uh, so I guess not. Mind less blown now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, even when I was reading um, the spider one that you did, I was kind of like, yeah. wait. Why does this exist? I, I didn't finish it, but I'm like, this is literally just 682. I was like, there's got to be a twist. And of course, there was a twist. Yeah. Um, I recommend that one for people who haven't read that one. Yeah, that, that, that was the sort of the intended reaction reading through it. Because <laughs> literally the entire time I'm thinking, like, aren't these all supposed to be original? Um, but, oh, look, it's snowing. Sorry, we just got a snowstorm. We're living um, just in time for Christmas, even though this won't come out this month. Sorry, people. Uh, I actually, so I, I was considering doing a, a Yule Man uh, SCP thing for Christmas, um, but I, I'm still locked down here. I'm in New York. There's really right, no yeah. one uh, in person who could really appreciate a Yule Man reading for Christmas. So it is what it is. Yeah, same here. We're pretty much in lockdown here still. Uh, so I, I was actually thinking of doing Yule Man <laughs> for discovering SCP like Christmas special, but I think it's a bit too heavy. Yeah, it's it's not a fun <laughs> story, to say the least. Uh, I mean, I personally love like, do you know Krampus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, like, it kind of reminds me of an even worse version of Krampus, kind of mm. in the sense of something kind of creepy and uh, well, Krampus is technically kind of a good guy. Not to get into that. Um, but I really like <laughs> there's like a folklore feel to Yule Man that I really like yeah yeah I know exactly what you mean uh, like that's another thing that kind of drew me to SCPs I've always really been into like mythology and things growing up um, other than the cryptid stuff so I tend to really like the ones where like okay so for example with your second proposal with the uh, mm. the black, the black moon. moon yeah um I really like the origin story. I really like the conversation with the administrator where he kind of talks about where he came from. And there's just this real like ancient mythological feeling that, that it carries that I personally am a sucker for. Um, it's just, I get really strong, interesting imagery uh, whenever I read kind of those works that involve that, yeah. that sort of feeling. Um, I have not finished reading that one though. Cause that was a pretty uh, dense read. He, I've only read, I don't think I've, fully read a single like zero zero one i've always like i've read bits and pieces of daybreaks um i've read bits and pieces of yours and i think one other but i i'm almost like turned off i think by a lot of zero zero ones not because of the actual writers or writings but i just as a creator i always get people saying do this zero zero one do this zero zero one i'm like uh <laughs> i'm just like it slowly backs away um which is a shame because I, I do I really did like that aspect, so I should really like use that as an excuse mm. to kind of just jump in, drop my biases. 
I know you mean the, the the recommendations do not end. Uh, it's always well, like, it's I can only do so many things. Well, for me specifically, it's usually like the younger fans who always recommend those ones. So I think that mm. also kind of is why I'm like a little hesitant. Um, but the concept for Daybreaks, I think, is interesting. I mean, I, I like a lot of like Lovecraftian kind of horror stuff, like cosmic horror stuff, and it definitely has that tone. Um, I mean, I and I like the um, I really like the administrator idea of like the one who started uh, that he started the foundation, right? That's implied, right? Because they kind of say, yeah, that, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so, and I one thing that I really like that conversation specifically is there's this talk of like basically the only way to defeat or stop the zero uh, zero one is by observing it, but the whole thing is it can't be observed. So, and then you kind of paint an allegory to Moby Dick. Um, what, I'm not sure if this was your intention, but so I've been doing a lot of like mindfulness meditation for the past month. Um, and a hmm. huge theme of mindfulness meditation is observing um, yourself. So like, you know, if you wanna, I guess I'll visually kind of try to explain what I'm saying. It's basically when you are sitting and like we're talking right now and the way we're observing the world we subconsciously imagine that we are in our heads, you know, taking it in. Like, it's almost like we're, like, in the back of our minds. But then when yeah. you try to observe that thing, it's not there. So, and so basically a method in mindfulness meditation to make you more... So the whole thing with mindfulness, mindfulness meditation is, like, a deep awareness of everything that's going on in your experience. And understanding that you're parallel to your experience, you're not a little man in your head experiencing experience if that makes sense so that's why yeah. for me i found it really interesting that the whole the most powerful technique that i like is where you sit down and you just try to observe who like the, the thinker in your head where is it what does it look like um like how does it feel and of course it's impossible was that your intention or is that just me projecting <laughs> That wasn't something I was aware of, no. Um, but it, it does it does fit pretty well. Yeah, cause I got really excited when that happened. I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> it fits so well. Because uh, I I've been trying to like mix um, things like personal philosophies that really help me in my life or that I find really interesting. I always like trying to incorporate that into stories. Um, do you do that with any of your writings, or is it? Definitely, I would say so. Though, yeah, there's a lot of. I, I don't think you can write anything without having the stuff, like the stuff you believe as part mm -hmm. of it, even if you don't mean to. Yeah, I mean, I always love when I write something, and I unconsciously write in a lot of like stories I like or certain themes that I tend to gravitate towards, and then mm -hmm. I, I kind of like it's like I reverse engineer uh, the themes that I end up unconsciously putting into stories. Uh, do you feel like you have any like certain themes that you always kind of end up unintentionally writing into certain stories? You can sort of track the sort of Tanhany line through a lot of my stuff. You can I, I, people mm. usually say they can tell it's from me at the point where weird shit starts happening and it doesn't get explained. So that's like your marker is just like unexplained. It always spirals into a bunch of weirdness. A lot of my recent ones do spiral. Yeah. Is there like a specific reason that you found? Um, of why that tends to happen? Something that I found is like a lot of the stuff that isn't meant to be like understandable it is understandable if you just use some made up words. I wanted to make like something that 
like even though i know what's going on like the reader it it, it looks like non it's like sort of dream logic i think like mm. 4972 the one i was talking about before something is wrong that was inspired by a nightmare i had mm. that made no sense at all but i thought it was terrifying even though if i were to describe it now it's like comical but it's like a thing with dreams like a thing can be scary without having a reason to be scary it's just you're scared of it because you just are yeah okay that's interesting um i've definitely had I've, i actually don't have nightmares very often but the few times i have they were very goofy uh afterwards um like mm. my i actually remember my first nightmare i was five um and i was in like an old haunted house but it almost looked like those really crappy like amusement park haunted houses um mm. and there was this literally like cliche like dude dressed as dracula with like the thick white face paint over him and he was chasing me around and I, that was like i was just terrified and it was basically very maze-like and i was getting lost in this very dark like victorian style old mansion uh and i think there was like a really crappy dumb looking zombie at some point too um and i literally bolted up woke up sweating from that dream uh so like looking back now it seems kind of silly but it was terrifying when i experienced it yeah exactly it's like, I think I had a dream where, like, someone had, like, a pair of floating eyes and, like, a skeleton was just floating after me, chasing me. But it was, like, cartoonish. <laughs> so it wasn't, like... So it, was, it was just stupid, but I was terrified. Have you ever had, like, sleep paralysis before or things like that? Oh, God, no. That's, like, one of my worst fears. <laughs> I thankfully haven't either. Um, but I know there are definitely a lot of horror writers... Um, well, I know, like, for example, Stephen King, a lot of his nightmares, and I think he's had sleep paralysis, too, that has literally written, like, entire novels for him. I just hate the idea of it, yeah. Yeah, because I think he actually has a disorder or something that causes him to have, like, nightmares almost every other night. Um, Oof. So, grateful not to have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of a, a dreams. Are there, uh, like other dreams that you can think of that have also directly influenced stories um apart from the one the 4972 one i wouldn't say so that's the only one that i remembered clearly enough after waking up to like sort of filter into some kind of logical article yeah i've i've i don't think i've ever directly written anything from a dream for that exact reason because i find like unless i get very interesting imagery i can kind of pull that imagery and make that like a piece of a story but it never really can stand on its own uh fully yeah yeah even with 4972 it was just like the imagery i took for like the very ending there a lot of it was just a framing device for that image at the end hmm. yeah it's, it's like the seed that kind of everything kind of sprouts up from hmm. uh so actually that reminds do you tend to write things chronologically or is it very much you get an idea and then you just kind of work around uh, whatever point in the story that idea is it depends sometimes if i can't get the description like out of my head and onto a page like i will write the logs first and work backwards but most mm. of the time i do write it chronologically uh just because i have to write it really quickly or else i'll lose interest i know that <laughs> okay so that's that's like one of the things that feels why you write so quickly hmm. um well, okay, so that's you're writing this web serial, though. Is that really challenging because that's not something you can just write in a day or two? Uh, well, each chapter I do get written fairly quickly, though. I'm actually getting, like, two days for ten pages because I do it in, during my breaks at uh, work and sort of at lunchtime. Mm. 
that's sort of like um, 20, I would say around 30 minutes a day. So I've managed to sort wow. of get it as part of my schedule, so I feel like obliged to do it now. That's enough to satisfy the itch that you don't lose uh, any interest in it. Yeah. As long as I keep doing it, I want I want to keep going. Okay, so it's like a momentum thing then. Mm, yeah, definitely momentum. Yeah, I find that's really hard for film, uh, keeping up momentum. Because like one thing that's amazing about writing is it's normally it's just like you and yourself, and the only barrier to you getting it done is yeah, you, yourself. You, you don't need much. Problem with me <laughs> is film. <laughs> it's it relies on especially indie films. It relies on people favors. People, yeah, you can't just whip out a handy cam. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why I'm moving to 3D animation now because it's just like me and my team and we don't have to worry about out, as many outside factors. Mm. Um, so there's almost like a freedom in that aspect. But I, that's one thing I've always been envious of people who are just pure straight writers. Uh, there's like a freedom to it that I find. Yeah, I can understand that. So I sometimes feel the other way. Like sometimes I think I should have studied animation or some shit. <laughs> Why? Because you is there's like the, that like frustration that you can't visually get it out there. Yeah, sometimes it's because I am I have tried like um, getting to the art, like drawing and stuff like that. I am mm. not built to draw stuff. <laughs> it's a fact. I have all the, the the worst hand eye coordination, so I can see things clearly in my head, but I cannot draw them in anything close to that. I so. It's so... Just, I'm, 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 I'm like in a weird boat. I kind of screwed myself over. I'm like an okay, uh, like physical drawer, but I never decided to invest in that skill, but I have a very, very visual mind. Uh, so I almost like made peace with the fact that like these things that the visual things I try to get, I try to write it down as a reminder, but they're always going to be like things for me. Um, and never things that I can really show the public. 3d animation is kind of changing that now though. Cause I've realized that uh, if you have a good, if you have a small team, like if you have, like thankfully I have a, uh, my friend who models and I have another friend who's teaching me the other aspects of it. Um, I find it's almost easier than 2D animation because you're not, a lot of 2D, I mean, 2D drawing and animation in general is like trying to pretend this 2D thing is 3D and there's a lot of these tr annoying tricks you have to do for perspective. Yeah. 3D, there's none of that. Like, I find the challenges with 3D are not nearly as, annoying or as they're, they're definitely hard they're difficult but it's not as bad in my opinion as the 2d uh animation and drawing yeah so, i get what you mean there but that's interesting yeah because i i have talked to a decent amount of writers who it seems like most writers i've talked to they don't just identify as writers they always kind of want to do another thing on top of uh writing do you yeah, have that firstly not really. It's just sort of the writing for me that I'm interested in. Um, wow. When I say, like, I wish I could draw, it's like, I wish I could draw, like, a cool picture. It's nothing like, mm -hmm. I wish I could do this with artistic skill. Like, so the reason I bring that up is because recently I had Severian on, and he was like, oh, I'd rather be an actor. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, so, and then, like, I've, in personal experience, too, I've had uh, writers. But it's nice to actually meet a... Uh, I guess a full-fledged writer in that sense, where it's like that's mm. your your main focus, and you're um, yeah, that, you're happy with that. Yeah, that's why I want to like, hopefully one day like do professionally for money. <laughs> yeah, so like, what would be like your dream writing gig? I'm curious. Um, 
definitely like novel publishing i think if i could like keep myself to one task long enough to get a novel done mm. i think i've got i've got a half written one somewhere that i just lost interest in it wasn't very good anyway so 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 one of my friends actually reads we we're talking about web serials he reads a lot of chinese web serials um mm. and i have yet to see this with an english web serial but some of the chinese the popular chinese web serials they were actually able to start publishing their entire web serials into like um a book series um mm. yeah i, I think there are a few english ones that have done that yeah so so like if that might be a cool way to like uh make that happen is if your web serial does well um who knows you know um that's like i, I feel like i've seen that route a bit more often lately because it's almost like lower risk in that sense where yeah. you have to get a publisher and blah 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 you can kind of build the fan base first and then turn it into like a physical novel uh series yeah definitely i would agree with you there uh i'm i'm still like really i have not really explored the universal web series because i got into it through wild bow and then i haven't really left <laughs> wild bow <laughs> uh, since. Well. but i've heard of really good ones I, I feel like i should explore a bit more because i'm sure it's a massive community yeah, definitely. I'd say, like with anything, though, there is a risk of like not very good ones. But mm. the way I see it, you get that with novels as well, normal books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I guess published is not a marker of quality uh, necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, every fan's gonna have their own opinion of what they like and don't like. Uh, I feel like that stuff can be pretty subjective. Two point. There are definitely yeah. certain things that work or don't work. Um. Like, okay, so for example, I actually know a lot of people are complaining about a lot of the Chinese web serials. Uh, I forget the, the site they use for uh, the ratings for web serials. But uh, mm. a lot of Chinese, like, really mediocre, <laughs> like, very cheesy <laughs> action fantasy. A lot of them are, like, fantasy histor historical stuff for Chinese stuff. Uh, they were, like, holding the top uh, places for a while. And a lot of people are like, why are these the top? These are so, like, mediocre, cliche garbage. Uh, but... Turns out the Chinese community, I think, is larger. So, like, they just already have that edge. Um, mm. Yeah, and certain things just become popular, weirdly, for, like, long amounts of time, I guess. Yeah, just because just there's just more readers that are uh, a part of it. Um, you know, popularity doesn't always mean quality. I'm sure mm. as a SP author, you're well aware of that. I know. I mean, I won the 5,000 contest, and look what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've said that before. Like, yeah, five, you were surprised how well 5,000 has done. Yeah, I was really surprised because it, it was weirdly winning by, like, a lot, which I didn't expect. I mean, so what do you think, like, made it so popular? I have to say, I think some, I have to owe some of it to um, the fact that it's a big SCP crossover because that's, like, kind of a draw already there. And it gets a lot of mm. people who ordinarily wouldn't be interested in, like, the 5,000 contest in it, I think. Hmm. Uh, I, mean, I that also was definitely it, a big wow mm, factor for me. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, I also posted it pretty early on, so I had more time to accumulate votes, I think, as well. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Timing, yeah, so do you think timing in general is usually pretty uh, important for series? I think for contests, definitely, because the earlier you post it, the more as the more you accumulate votes, and then you get considered like one of the big articles that's in the contest, just mm. by the fact that you've been there earlier. 
Makes sense. Because I'm, I'm sure not everyone goes through every single entry and all that stuff. Yeah, so like, by the time the contest ends, there are so many entries that you, no one's read them all. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've never... I feel like... Are there, are there like, specific regulars who really do the work to sift all through that stuff? I suppose um, there must be someone who read, the, like, a lot of them. I doubt there's anyone who's read all of them, to be honest. Mm. Just because every day there's, like, five or f- six, usually. Yeah, like, I... That's why I was always like, how do, how do, I guess I was naive enough to think they were like these super hardcore fans that have just been on the, like the wiki elites. They've been there for 10, eight years and they're just like, we're, we're the law. We, we decide what what is good and what isn't. But uh, I guess not. Yeah, so I, there's maybe one person out there who's like the chosen one who's read them all, but I doubt it. Can you say who that is? I'm actually curious. I don't. He's a hypothetical person. I don't think he exists. Oh. <laughs> the know. avatar. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is one thing I really want to ask you about. Hmm. So I, I personally love Garrett Garfield's uh, article. I think it's hilarious in its very twisted hmm. way. Um, and I was looking into the history of it because I was like, I've seen all these like "I'm sorry, John" memes and stuff like that. Yeah. And. Did you start that trend unintentionally? I don't know. I I think I I think it might be coincidental because a lot of whenever I see Garfield SCP on YouTube, it's always like the Garfield. I'm sorry, John, mm-hmm. yeah. which is usually very different. Actually, very different to what's in the actual article. So yeah. I sometimes get the feeling that people just want to make a Garfield like video, but want to have SCP in the title, which is a bit cynical of me. But I, so I I think I you're underselling hmm. yourself. I have a reason why. So I, I kind of went into the uh, the internet history site. I forget the name of it. It's like Know Your Meme, I think. And hmm. so they, the original source isn't your article. They claim it's this comic from, uh, I can't remember the name, but it was a comic strip, like three panel, four panel st- comic strip where it shows John walking to his apartment and he sees like Garfield textured like fur all over his house and his walls and his items and then he walks into a room and there's Garfield's face in like the center of the wall um, and he says something about like I'm sorry John or something and that's it there's yeah. no Garfield there's nothing that's it then a couple years this is like 2013 and there's a few scarce memes but no trend really picks up then your article comes out and I mean the description is still kind of Garfield-esque uh, in the sense that it's just this very disturbing form of uh, Garfield. Um, that comes out mm. and then i noticed the trend kind of explodes after the release like the same year in 2018 and 2019 you is when you sounds like i think i think you can take that credit like the to me the comic <laughs> came out so like five years before the trend i really don't think like that really created the trend what have i done <laughs> how does that feel <laughs> like how cool is that <laughs> It's pretty cool, actually, if that is the case. Because, I mean, it, I, it was not, like, an isolated thing, because there were, I think, specific artists that mm. made work inspired by the SCP article, and that's really what created the Gorefield thing, so that's why it looks pretty different than the SCP description. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely seems like that was one of the dominoes that kind of got that going. Um, so Interesting. Now you don't need to be as cynical when people say SCP Garfield. <laughs> uh, 
I know I like for example I uh have watched like Lumpy there's a couple other YouTubers who've done like they basically based their a huge chunk of their channel over like this one idea um and there was these really weird live action uh Garfield stuff I don't know if you've seen those I don't think I've seen oh Lasagna Cat you mean it might be him yeah I, I don't remember his name yeah. Lasagna Cat was a definite inspiration to the SCP Garfield but what's what's like the uh like if you remember anything from his like what's because that's i'm trying to ring a bell of like that specific it's one. just lasagna cat is like weird garfield music videos that sort of became more and more surreal into like a 10-hour video of like people answering a hotline oh yes yes that is what i'm thinking of yeah wow so yeah that that was one of the things sort of in my mind when i wrote uh 3166 there do you think that's like peak for you? <laughs> Not like it's the, this is the peak of my career. Look at the monster I've created. <laughs> uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I am happy that Bobble Clown. I do like Bobble Clown. I actually was considering making uh, a short film for Bobble Clown, but I'm very happy that that is not your most popular. Uh, thing to I have make. to say that yeah, the one I wrote in my first week. I'm glad it is not still my peak. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's probably... I mean, do you feel like Garfield was um, your second... Like, your second biggest thing before 5000 came out? Or is that also kind of a sleeper? I would say the second, like, biggest one was a 1437, which is the um, hole that goes to all the parallel yeah. worlds there. Mm -hmm. So that was the next biggest one after uh, Bubble. So I think it's not like its third most popular one, unless Garfield overtook it at some point. Well, I, on the wiki, Garfield's less popular, but I feel like uh, pop culture-wise, I've definitely seen more Garfield, if if you want to take that credit. Which I think, personally, I think you should take some of that credit. Yeah, it's my... Let's just say I made Garfield. <laughs> it's my help take uh, Look, that's what the page says. You, you have it in writing. Whoever wrote that page. Yeah. You just have to read the page. What can I say? <laughs> um... They should, I should make a little trophy for you that said creator of Gorefield or something. Because uh, I thought like the Gorefield thing was one of the... I didn't even realize it was... Uh, when I first saw it, I didn't realize it was actually, there actually was an SCP Garfield. I thought it was like like when people were saying like how Siren Head was an SCP, it was just kind of like mm. a fan sandbox thing. Um, so it's kind of a, a pleasant surprise um, to see that. But speaking of the sandbox, have you ever messed with that? The SCP sandbox stuff? Do you ever submit work there? Uh, the SCP sandbox, that's basically, uh, like, yeah, before I write an article properly, I will write it through the sandbox, uh, just so I can see how it looks on the wiki. So, like, is that what most authors do in general? They always just kind of post it there to get reception and work Yeah, it's basically, the, the sandbox is basically just, yeah, where you write it up so you have that wiki format without actually posting it on the main wiki yet. Hmm, hmm, yeah. Okay, so that's that's interesting. Because I always took it as a more like writers who couldn't get their stuff on the SP wiki. <laughs> just no, right no. there as a safe space kind of thing. No, it's basically just like the preview. <laughs> the glorified preview. Okay, okay. Okay, that's that's more interesting then. Um, gives it a bit more uh, validity, um, I guess. Are there any uh, SCPs that you haven't written that you think are like underappreciated or deserve like a bit more attention 
Mm, just thinking about it, sort of stuff outside of like the main ones that you see on all the big channels, things like that. Mm. I would say one that I really like. I'm trying to remember the number of it now. Um, do, 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 do. I'm never going to remember the number because there's six thousand of them. But it's like one set in World War One. It's all like legends of things like King Arthur's going to come back to life to save England. Um, hmm. In Germany, they have the guy in the mount, the king in the mountain, uh, who comes back to save uh, Germany, I guess. And it's just sort of all those guys coming out at once during World War One. It's just sort of their reactions to the modern world and world with like the horrors of the First World War and stuff. And I just thought it was a really interesting story, and I really enjoyed that one. Oh, that's cool. I actually like that a lot. Um, yeah, if you find out, let me know, because I actually would want to read that. Um, like, one reason why I like The Old Man is because it kind of dwells mm. into the World World War One stuff. Um, I'm a huge sucker for that time period, because I think it's uh, really interesting, not just because it was, like, the biggest war at the time, but more so you have the old world having this violent uh, rebirth. And really, I feel like the world became the modern world after World War One. Um, yeah definitely it's one of the few times in history where you see a clear line over a course of years between the old world and the new world usually it's a much slower progression um so i think that's kind of why i tend to i I also world war ii i feel like i've heard about it growing up all the time and you at least in america we don't really teach world war one that much uh you kind of just think world war one's really boring and then you realize oh wait there's a lot more to the story than i thought um, yeah, I remember in history in high school, it was just World War Two and nothing else. So I, as far as I knew, nothing else happened in the history of the world. <laughs> like for me, I assumed it was just because the Americans were so barely involved in the war. That's why we didn't really focus on it that much. Mm. Uh, but I guess not. This is hard to do off the top of your head. But okay. do you have any like books or writings uh that you would really recommend people to read, like some of your personal favorites. I would. I was actually going to say, like before we mentioned it before, I was already going to say Wild Bow and Worm. I would definitely give that a read. Um, Stephen King, we've mentioned as well. He was a big inspiration for me. His book. He has a book called On Writing that I re- that I read when I was a little younger, mm. and that's probably influenced me quite a bit. That's really yeah, good. Um, really good. I've book. heard a lot of good things about that one. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. In the last couple of years, I've got into like some of Brandon Sanderson stuff. Uh, he's a fantasy writer, and I've really enjoyed like his series. There's a lot of it, epic fantasy, which is a bit different from what I usually write, but I like reading it. Yeah, I've actually never heard of him. He's really, he's really good. You should check it out. He did Mistborn and um, the Stormlight Archives. Those are some of his like bigger ones. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar, the, the second one. Yeah, I think the newest one just came out like a couple of months ago. I've not read that one yet, so that's probably where you've heard his name. I've uh, I've slowly been getting into collecting physical hard copies now for books, um, just because I I feel like there's a nice, like especially for like the real sci-fi and fantasy stuff. I like collecting. Like I just got all the mm. Akira uh, manga. Um, I like a lot of Junji Ito stuff. He's a horror manga writer. Oh, he's so good. Um, so yeah, I just got Tomei and Uzumaki. Um, so I kind of, I've, I've been finding it's nice for at least the visual stuff. Um, cause I'm guilty of not rereading things, but at least with manga, um, it's a lot easier kind of just to page through and get like physical, visual, uh, inspiration from. But. Something else I would say that's probably also influenced me that it's not, it's not already like written. It's, um, 
Doctor Who. Uh, oh yeah. Especially, yeah. yeah, Doctor Who's a lot of it. Like especially my, my favorite one was Series Five to like Series Ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Sort of that period because a lot of it was like science fantasy-ish in the way where it, it gave you that, these like weird ideas and like weird concepts that the episode sort of ran off of. We didn't like feel the need to like go into techno babble about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that is kind of a pet peeve of mine too. With sci-fi is sometimes when they try to explain the thing, and I'm like, just don't, just don't. It's like if you, thing. it's like one episode is just flying fish, and they like say, oh, the fish fly in the fog and fly in the fog, and it's like that's enough for me. I don't need to know anything else. Yeah, exactly. I hate when they have to like make up all these fake terms. I mean, I sometimes it works. I'm not gonna say I yeah. hate it all the time, um, but like, well, because I actually was talking about this yesterday with a friend, how like I kind of grew up with more Japanese sci-fi because I felt like growing up I was mm. never really a fan of a lot of the Western shows. Like I didn't really care for Doctor Who. I didn't care for Battlestar Galactica. Um, I didn't care about Star Trek growing up. I know people arrest me. I appreciate it more now, but I feel like it's it's kind of interesting to see how a lot of those shows have changed because like for me again doctor who was just too episodic for me there is an overarching plot though i think right with all the the yeah it's not very from series series how serialized it is Mm. Uh, okay because i only saw like random episodes yeah like series five to ten the bit i would talk about that's i think where it got most serialized oh okay okay that's probably reason it was also super overwhelming because like i didn't personally know anyone who's really into it and i see that it's like been running what since like the 70s or 80s like it's a really old show yeah it's it's stupidly old so usually if there's like more than two seasons i'm like i uh, i don't know where to start and i just run away yeah i thought they like pretty much the 20 i think it was came, like came back in 2010 that was pretty much kind of a reboot that slowly, mm-hmm. 2005 even it came out, started off like it, basically a reboot, but acknowledging that there was a series before, and it slowly incorporates the classic Doctor Who back into it as the series goes on. Hmm. Which is kind of an interesting way of doing it. Yeah, this is interesting, yeah. Alright, so we are getting close to the end. Uh, before we wrap up, is obviously check out the YouTube channel, link in the description. Check out the web serial link in the description is there anything else you want to shout out while you're here um my friend darnell uh actually does who does the discovering scp podcast with me he is also doing a podcast of his own called um i think it's good morning poon poon and it's based on the uh manga he's reading i'm pretty sure so i think he'll uh, be happy with me if i sort of plug that as well oh cool it's yeah I, discussing I've, this, I've uh, actually read some of that one it's a good one yeah it's also him and a few other guys just sort of going through the chapters i think just sort of discussing it so we'll maybe check if you if you're listening and you like that manga maybe check it out yeah do it or else <laughs> all right well thanks for coming on it was nice to pick your brain on some of the articles especially the garfield one um yeah and uh happy to have you on yeah no problem at all it's good to be here I had a fun time all right thanks guys have a good one uh we'll see you next time bye bye bye